Hey, and what's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 11 on What About Therapy. I'm your host, Enoch Fossum, and I'm currently going to school to become a licensed marriage and family therapist. And I'm almost certified to be a mindfulness life coach, and so I will keep you updated on that. There's a lot of good stuff going on. So anyways, I digress. In this episode, we're going to be talking about the brain and how we can come to understand it really more on simple terms using the acronym SNEF. A lot of us think of the brain as a very complicated thing that we can't really understand, but that's not true. And so in this episode, I hope that you can learn something new about the brain, about your brain and how it works. All that coming up next on What About Therapy. All right, everybody, I am super excited to do this episode today. When I read about this, I it just kind of kind of clicked in my head for me. I was like, wow, that actually makes a lot of sense. And so I'm really excited to be able to share it with you guys. So this is going to come from the book Feeling Great, like, <laughs> like most of my episodes so far have uh, have come from. Like, honestly, you probably don't even need to read a book, read the book at this point. You just listen to my podcasts, right? Just kidding. Like I would definitely recommend to read the book Feeling Great by Dr. David Burns. It's amazing. It's really cool. It has a lot of has a lot of great stuff in there. And I have learned a lot. And so this uh, part here in the book takes place towards the end. And it's actually not written by David Burns for the most part. It's written by Dr. Mark Noble. And he is one of the founders of modern STEM uh, modern stem cell biology. So pretty cool. A man who's devoted to learning about the brain and trying to just learn more about it. So that chapter is written by him. So this whole podcast is going to be from that chapter by uh, Dr. Mark Noble. So again, like you heard in the intro, we're going to be going over the acronym SNEF. Okay. And it's really been helpful for me, this acronym to remember. And so I hope it's help, helpful for you. I know that acronyms to some people aren't very helpful, but this one has been really helpful for me. So first, like an overview. Okay. So SNEF, it's S-N-E-F-F. -F. So S stands for structures. N stands for networks. E stands for emotions, the first F stands for filters, and the last F stands for frames. So structures, networks, emotions, filters, frames, SNEF. And so we're going to go over each of those letters and what those mean. So the first is structures. So your brain is organized into structures. I'm sure a lot of you know that if you've taken a basic psychology class, you've been able to... Uh, know and kind of understand the basic uh, structures of the brain. You have your prefrontal cortex, your amygdala, your occipital lobe, <laughs> something like that. Uh, but anyways, so you have those different structures, right? And so each of those structures, they do different things. So different parts of your brain do different things. So each region of the brain is devoted to particular tasks, such as reading, uh, generating emotions, interpreting language, imagination, creating, etc. Right? A whole bunch of stuff. Everything we do, there is a structure in the brain that's devoted to doing that. So there are two regions of the brain that are active in depression and anxiety, 
And the reason they mainly talk about depression and anxiety is because the book Feeling Great is about how to overcome depression and anxiety. And so that's why these two regions are mentioned, but I thought it was really interesting, so I'm just going to talk about it anyway. So the two regions are the amygdala and the prefrontal cortex. So one thing that's really cool is when you learn new things, you can try and connect it to something you already know because then that strengthens the connection and that strengthens your memory of the new thing. Does that make sense? So for instance, when I learned about the amygdala, okay, so the amygdala is, it serves as an early warning system of possible dangers. So that like instant adrenaline that you get when you hear something that like off in the distance or, uh, I don't know, just something that kind of scares you and you get that adrenaline pump, that's from your amygdala, okay, that immediate response. So with that definition in mind, I think of an armadillo because when I look at amygdala, I can, in a sense, kind of see armadillo. I mean, really not even close. But for me anyway, that's the way I remember it because when an armadillo tries to hide, right or run away, it kind of rolls into a ball boop, and is protected. And so that's the immediate response is your brain kind of acts like an armadillo, whoop, hurry and curls up into a shell and is ready to either fight or run away, right? So yeah, the amygdala helps the body for to get ready for survival, right? It's essential for survival. It helps the body get ready to fight or to run away, fight or flight. It's that immediate response. So then the prefrontal cortex is the observer of the brain. So like we talked about in, was it episode 10? On uh, where we talked about mindfulness and we talked about uh, being an observer, right? Of your emotions. You aren't your immediate response. You are the observer. And we're able to do that to observe because of the prefrontal cortex. So that's one thing that separates us from, I think we talked about this too in episode 10, that separates us from like an alligator or from an animal, right? We can observe those thoughts that we're having, the feelings that we're feeling, and we don't have to act upon that. And so the prefrontal cortex is the observer. It's the quality control if you want. That's the way that Dr. Mark Noble puts it. So he says, let's see, it says yes. So the prefrontal cortex says yes to, to the immediate response of the amygdala, or it says no. And so let's say you heard a noise in the distance, right? And maybe you're camping. You're It's dark outside, you're in a tent, and you hear a noise, and you think it could be a bear. And your amygdala is like, oh my gosh, hurry and roll up into a, in our shell, right? Like the armadillo. Whoop. And it's that immediate response. And so your adrenaline starts pumping. You're, it's getting your body ready to survive, ready to make any maneuvers that you would need to if a bear really did attack. And so at that time, your prefrontal cortex then says, okay, so let's actually observe the situation. Is a bear really there? Okay, we don't quite know. And then maybe let's say you go out and you look, <laughs> which I mean, I probably wouldn't do that. I would just probably 
keep sleeping away in my sleepy bag. <laughs> but anyways, so you go out there and you really just find out that it was a little squirrel. And so your prefrontal cortex says no to the amygdala. It's like, okay, dude, kind of chill out. It's just a squirrel. It's not a bear. Like, thank you, right? Thank you for getting me ready for that. Because if it was a bear, then I, I would have been ready. So thank you for that. But you can kind of chill out and let's go back to bed. And so I hope that makes sense, the amygdala and the prefrontal cortex. So those are both different structures in the brain. So now we move on to networks. So there are an estimated, this, this part's crazy, there are an estimated 100 billion nerve cells in the human brain, and each one can connect with hundreds or even thousands of other nerve cells, which means there are as many as 100 trillion connections between the nerve cells in your brain. So that is a lot, right? That has so many connections firing all the time. And there is so much going on in the brain. But these networks are groups of cells that work together to transmit information from one region of the brain to another. And so it's kind of what it uses to um, get things moving in the brain, right? So when creating habits, for instance, you form networks in the brain to make it easier. Because your brain thinks it has a finite amount of energy. And so whatever it can do to save energy, it will do it. So when you create habits, it kind of, you save energy, brain energy, right? Because you don't have to think about everything. And so whenever it can save energy by creating networks, it will do it. You can change networks in your brain, however, through, and I thought this bar is really cool. And this is, this is stuck with me. So the way to change networks is through FTWT or WTFT. So let me let me explain that. <laughs> so FTWT means fire together, wire together. And WTFT means wired together, fire together. And so when we have habits, like for instance, brushing your teeth, right? I don't really have to think about what to do when I brush my teeth or even floss. I just kind of go through the motions because I've created a network. I've done it so many times that my brain's created a habit and done that so it can save energy and in hopes of living forever. So when I go to brush my teeth, that's when the wire together, fire together is active. So the networks, the nerve cells are wired together and so they automatically fire together. I hope that makes sense. So when you want to create a new habit, you are then in the realm of fire together, wire together. Because when you are doing something that you haven't done before, those neurons, those cells, the networks are still firing together. They're just not originally wired together. And so it takes more energy to do that certain thing. I hope that makes sense to you. So we want to, over time, when creating habits, uh, your brain will form a network and then connect it. So when for, when it forms a network, that is the connection. So it that that's when it goes into wire together, fire together. Once it's in a network, they're wired together, then they'll automatically fire together. It takes us energy. And so when you think about that in terms of, let's say, addictions or 
and just habits. You know, if you're engaging in a habit that you don't want to be in, just acknowledge that there are networks in your brain that are meant for that, for that specific habit. Or you've done, like you've looked at porn so many times, you've uh, drinking so much, so much alcohol, your brain forms a network for that and kind of lets you go on autopilot when you are participating in those activities. And so when, once you come to understand that, you can then change it by making different neurons fire together, uh, by doing a, a different activity that you want to make a new habit. It'll, it'll, uh, use more energy right? Because they're, they're not wired together yet. It'll use more energy while they're firing together. But if you keep doing it over time, those neurons, the cells will form networks and make the wire together, fire together. And so it'll just make that new habit easier for you. So I hope that makes sense. I really, I really love that. Really love that part. It's helped me to understand my habits and how I can change them. So I thought that was really cool. So that's emotions. So that's the E. Oh, sorry. No, that's the N. <laughs> We're on to emotions now. So emotions, your brain controls emotions, okay? So our emotions motivate us to do whatever it takes to survive, right? Like if, again, going back to the amygdala, the emotion of fear can trigger that response of adrenaline or even anger, these different emotions can trigger the amygdala to uh, to help the body get ready for whatever's to come, right? And it's meant for survival. It's a survival technique that we're really born with. So your brain will create an emotional response in accordance to your inter interpretation of a situation. So if you hear a noise, like we kind of talked about uh, a little while ago with let's see, what was it, structures or even networks? But so if you hear a noise, remember when no one is home, like in the house, I don't know if this has ever happened to you. It's happened to me a couple times. Like the other day, for instance, I was at work. So I go in early when no one's there and kind of set things up a little bit. And it was just me. And I was getting a drink and stuff. And I heard just the most random noises. And when it's kind of windy outside, you can kind of, you can hear it on the inside a little bit. So I'm like, oh, okay, it's just wind. But then all of a sudden, this noise, just like this kind of crashing sound happened. And my immediate response was kind of fear, right? My amygdala was like, oh gosh, like what's going to happen? Oh my gosh. And so it gets that adrenaline pumping and gets me ready to, let's say if someone broke in, I would have to get ready to, I don't know, take them down or I'd run away. But come to find out, I go up and it was just the ice machine making ice and sometimes some ice falls down and I'm like, oh my gosh, dude, really? <laughs> and so my prefrontal cortex is like, okay, man, chill, amygdala. You got to chill. It's just the ice machine. You are fine. Thank you though for creating that response for me just in case it was an intruder, I would have been ready. But the emotion that I had at first was fear, right? Or, I mean, I don't know what else the emotion would be. Probably just fear. I'm kind of scared. So, you feel that adrenaline in your body get ready. And then, when I found that it was just the ice machine, my fear dissipated. Whew. 
it was gone, right? And so did my adrenaline levels, all that stuff started to just go down. So when your prefrontal cortex comes to a different interpretation of a situation that isn't harmful, your amygdala cools down and your emotions change. And so I hope that kind of makes sense. I mean, we are really driven by emotions, right? Like if we feel angry, it kind of ruins our entire day. And a lot of us, uh, I know I, I've had it happen whenever something uh, like unfortunate or bad happens to me that day, I let that ruin my whole day. And I'm driven by that emotion of being upset or being sad, whatever it is. And it ruins my whole day. And so we, as humans, we are just driven by emotions. And so coming to understand that when we are driven by emotions, we can change that emotion, right? By learning to change your paradigms, change your filters that you see things through. And we'll talk about that here soon as well. But once you change that, then you can change your emotions, which is a beautiful concept. And we'll, I'll do other episodes on that as well. So that is emotions. So we have structures, networks, emotions. We have sne. And now we're going to do the two Fs. So the first F are filters. So inaccurate and inaccurate interpretations often occur because of filters and frames. So filters, whenever you take an information, it goes through your own filters. So I don't know if you have heard the term you look at things through rose-colored glasses. You see things the way you want to, like especially in relationships. That's a very common term, rose-colored rose glasses. Um, you see, you don't see or look for the bad in like a relationship. Like if you're dating someone, you only are looking through the rose-colored glasses. And so you only see the good and you refuse to see any red flags or the negatives. And so that's a filter. That's a filter that you see the world through, see that person through. So if you're, let's see, like if, uh, if you're angry, sad, or depressed, that new information that you're receiving when you're feeling those emotions comes through. So when that new information comes through, it will pass through those emotions or sorry, through those filters, and you will interpret that information in a way that is congruent with your emotions, even if the interpretation is wrong. And so a lot of people, like that's why I think it's so amazing because everyone's so different, right? And everyone can feel different emotions, can feel, can think differently in uh, different situations. And so like if I went through uh, a, a situation, okay, and my friend came with me, we went through the exact same thing depending on our filters, we would see it and experience it differently. And depending on our emotions and the filters we're seeing things through, the interpretation that we get can be wrong because of what we're feeling and because of the filters that it passed through. And so it's also very important to understand that when you're taking in information or when your immediate response, let's say, is to judge someone or you get angry, take a look back, like take a step back and think to yourself, what filter am I looking through, right? Like, for instance, this is a good example. Yesterday, I was at church, okay? And there's this guy in my congregation that laughs really loud, 
Like <laughs> he just does. When someone says a joke, he laughs. And that's all I can hear in there is he laughs really, really loud. And so I was like, man, like that is so annoying. Like, why is he doing that? And so I would be, I was not really like angry at him. I was just kind of annoyed, right? But, and so that went over the course of a couple of weeks. And yesterday, so today's Monday, yesterday when we were at church, I saw that he has hearing aids. And he's a younger man, so I would have never thought that he would have hearing aids. And so I really don't think that he knows that he's laughing that loud because he can't really hear, right? And I mean, who knows? He could, and that could just be who he is, but hey, still. And when I recognized that, I felt pretty bad. I was like, man, like I've been judging this guy for the past couple of weeks, you know, and I didn't know that he had these hearing aids. And so my filters changed and I saw that situation differently. So whenever he laughs now really loud, I know, I understand. And it doesn't bug me because my filters changed. And so that's why filters are so important. It's really important to understand and kind of recognize the filters that you are processing information through because it can it can determine what you are actually taking in and how you're interpreting it, how you apply it and everything. So that is the first F, that's filters. So now we're going to move on to frames. So frames organize the way we think. Okay, it's kind of like networks, but not. The frames put the networks, if you think of a frame of a picture, everything inside of that frame. So let's think, this is the way that my brain thinks about it. So if you think of a picture, the frame, everything inside of that frame are networks. And it kind of puts everything together. So it organizes our brain, organizes the way we think. So there's simply not enough space in the brain to have a different set of networks for every event in our lives. Even though there are trillions and billions, like I don't even know, a hundred, what do you say, a hundred trillion, um, hundred trillion connections in the brain, there's still not enough space to make a connection for every single event in our lives. So the networks combine with each other to create frames and to organize it. So I'm just going to read, excuse me, I'm going to read a good example that he gives from the book. So let's see, this is the situation he gives. So he says, for example, let's say that you're going to a Chinese restaurant for dinner. I actually just went to Korean to a Korean restaurant for lunch. It was, it was par at best, but anyways. So for example, going to a Chinese restaurant. So thinking about this event rapidly brings to mind a large number of frames or thoughts that are related to this activity, such as, and he goes on to examples. He says, you will leave your home just prior to going to the restaurant. Your brain will activate a large number of related networks and thoughts that are needed for this activity, such as grabbing your coat from the hallway closet, opening the front door, locking it behind you, and so forth. As you drive to the restaurant, your brain will activate the networks that are relevant to driving, such as opening the car door, sitting in the driver's seat, fastening your seatbelt, turning on the engine and the lights, putting the car in gear, and so forth. When you get to the restaurant, you will leave your car and walk to the front door. This involves more familiar networks and thoughts. Someone will greet you, take you to a table, and give you a menu, more networks. Those are just some of the networks involved in going to a Chinese restaurant. And these networks are all carrying out familiar tasks. 
That's why these activities are so easy. You've done similar things before, and it's all automatic. So I hope that makes sense. It is kind of the automatic thinking maker, right? Frames. It activates frames. So like you said, we don't have to think about, okay, how do I drive again? Okay, right. Because because that frame is activated of driving and of opening the door to the restaurant. And when you sit down at a restaurant and someone gives you a menu, you know to look at it and to find what you want because of frames. It's all organized that way. And so I really loved that. I thought that was so cool. It makes so much sense to me. And it helps me understand my brain, like I said earlier, like a lot more. It helps me understand myself. And so I hope this episode is helpful for you guys. SNEF, remember, S-N-E-F-F, structures, networks, emotions, filters, frames. And then another thing to remember is fire together, wire together, wire together, fire together. So when you want to change a habit, and I'll probably talk about this more in a future episode as well, to create a new habit, of course it's going to be hard because you're firing those networks together that aren't wired together. But eventually they will wire together and they will automatically fire together. And there you go. There you have it. That's the brain in 24 minutes, almost 25 minutes. And I hope you learned something new. Thank you all so much for listening. If you made it this far, you are the OG. OGs. And if you haven't followed me on Instagram, you can do at sign OG Fossum. That's why I say OGs, because you guys are the originals, okay, the OGs of this podcast. So thank you all so much for listening, and I will see you all, talk to you all, all that good stuff in the next episode. Peace. Hey, everyone. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode. If you liked it, please leave a rating and review. That would mean the world to me. That's how I'll be able to reach and help as many people as I can. If you know of anyone that could possibly benefit from this episode or any other one of my episodes, please share it with them. You can also subscribe or follow to be notified when my future episodes come out. So thank you all so much for your support, and I'll see you in the next episode. Peace.